Welcome to The Creator's Adventure, where we interview creators from around the world hearing their stories about growing a business. As a creator, sometimes the path to grow is right there in the data and the numbers, but often you enjoy creating and don't take the time to look at those numbers. Today's guest, John Ainsworth, is going to show us the important numbers to measure and how he's used his process to earn creators millions. Hey everyone, I'm Brian McAnulty, the founder of Heights Platform. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, we're here today with John Ainsworth. John is the founder and CEO at Data Driven Marketing. They help online course creators to increase their revenue by 486% through strategic funnel optimization. He's been building funnels for 20 years and is a digital nomad much of the time. And actually, John, I was on your podcast yesterday, so I uh, now get to talk with you here. I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, man. I really appreciate the chance to come and uh, talk to your audience. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe interested to, to talk a little bit about the uh, the travel as well, because I'm uh, I'm really into that. I know yesterday you mentioned that you'd visited uh, Austin in the past. Um, mm. Kind of curious where else you've been. But I guess my first question for you is, what would you say is the biggest thing that either you did or you are doing that has helped you to achieve the freedom to do the things that you enjoy? So for me, there's this, there's been t a couple of things, right? So there's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. And it's about how do you run a business to make everything run really, really smoothly. And that's been the biggest thing I would say. So I read that for the first time, maybe five years ago. And it was very clear to me that if you followed all the processes they had there about the kinds of people you hired, the way you ran your meetings, how you tracked all the data in your business, how you made sure that your marketing was working efficiently. If you did all of those things, it was pretty clear to me that business would run really smoothly. But it was also really obvious that was really hard. <laughs> it was going to mm. take a lot of work to implement it. So what I've done is every three months, once a quarter, I go through and I, there's a test in the book. And I take the test and I find where are we the worst? Where's the one place mm -hmm. that we're doing the worst? And then I implement, I improve that over the next few months. And so we've gone from the, the scores out of a hundred. And the first time I took it, I got like 23. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> and then <laughs> we're now at about, I think it's like an 87 or a 90 or some, something in that kind of ballpark. And everything then runs really, really smoothly. The other thing that was really big for me was getting out of the delivery side of the business because that's a lot of people start the kind of business like like I do. You know, we help online course creators with their funnels. A lot of people will start a business doing something that they are good at doing and then they get stuck in doing it all the time and they can never get out of it. And they're basically building mm -hmm. a team around themselves and making themselves a superhero. And I decided really early on, I had some, um, I'd gone through three training courses about running this kind of a business. And they all said, you need to get out of doing the delivery. You've got to hire people, train them up. And it's going to be really frustrating because they won't be as good as you because you've spent years getting good at this thing. But you've got to do that if you really want to be able to move forward. And so I spent the first couple of years like building up the team, training people, developing systems, what have you. Um, and that means that now I don't work as many hours. You know, now I can work less hours and everything runs really smoothly and everything's really efficient and the team's amazing and the whole thing runs beautifully. But that wasn't easy. 
you know, it was kind of a go slow to go fast later kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I agree with that. And uh, I've had similar experiences myself. And like, I think it's so hard for business owners, entrepreneurs, because you you're you're in the trenches there in that delivery portion of, of your business right and in in that time when you don't have the the team around you to kind of help facilitate that the way for the business to go smoothly means that you put in more hours to be able to deliver in the right mm. way depending on what's going on um and so yeah and then you're not able to work on kind of big picture things and like how can you create a better product better service overall because you're so stuck in the delivery spot. Um, yeah, so that's really interesting. I, I'm curious more about, um, I've heard of the book Traction, but I'm not familiar with that test. Is it something that you can like describe briefly in more detail or do we really have to like go sure. into the book to uh, understand? No, no, I, I'll, I'll, um, I'll pull it up on my computer here and I'll tell you like what some of the headings are. There's basically six main areas in the book that they go through. Processes, data, uh let's think what's the other ones people um i'm pulling it up now I'll see if the I'll see if the test is done a uh, vision that's another one uh what else is there finances i think is one part of it and then there's one more that I, i'm not remembering right now oh i think the other one is called traction and it's about like having the right kind of meetings in place so with vision it's about like okay if you've got anything past you then nobody else is going to understand the vision as clearly as you are because it's in your head so you have to explain it to the whole team really clearly you have to be able to say right this is what we stand for as a business this is what we're trying to achieve this is our values this is our focus this is our long-term vision this is our target audience this is what's different about our business write it down and then go over it with people again and again and again. So in our business, we do it in our team call every single week. I'll get somebody else on the team to explain one of our core values. Like, so our core values are excellence, honesty, um, and growth. And so it's like, get somebody on the team to explain, okay, why is excellence important? And what does that mean? And how did you implement that last week? How are you actually implementing that value within the business what are we doing what's the vision where are we planning on being in a year three years time why are we working on what we're working on now and how's that going to help us get to the vision so that everyone gets super clear on it um the processes side of it is like have you got standard operating procedures for every single thing in the business is there a process for exactly how you do each single thing that anybody in the business does does it make sense is it clear is it accurate is it done the same by every person in the, in the team um, the team side of things is about making sure you know exactly what your job, your org chart, your organizational chart looks like now, but also what you want it to look like in six months. And are you hiring against that? And are the people that you've got the right fit for all of those jobs? And are the, right, are the jobs that you've got at the moment the right fit for what you need to be in six months? Um, are you having weekly meetings with the whole team? Are you having weekly meetings with each person individually? Are you making sure that everyone's on track with what they're supposed to be doing and they're reaching the right standards? Have you got data about like exactly how everything in your whole business is working? Do you, do you know all of your key leading and lagging KPIs? Do you know what are the things that you're working? If you see something's not working in advance, you can fix it. And can you look at your finances and go, well, we can check that we can see that everything worked the way it was supposed to afterwards. So that's the kinds of things you're supposed to have in place, which is like, they're all very reasonable and sensible. 
and they are not easy. <laughs> you yeah, know, and, and, it's taken a lot of work and to get definitely, that. Definitely, I I do think that most businesses, like not just like an individual course creator starting out, but like even established businesses are missing a lot of those things. Which again, like oh, it's very reasonable yeah. to have, but like and and important, and it's not not even that complicated, but. Um, yeah, going through that, I think is, uh, sounds like a, a great exercise. So can you share more of yeah. like, what's the story of how you started your company, uh, data-driven marketing? Mm. So what I used to do is I worked in fitness marketing and I would do kind of a mixture of two things. I would work with, um, private companies, you know, gyms, yoga studios, uh, martial arts classes, this kind of thing. And I'd also work with local government to help get people um, from hard to reach groups into activity like over 65s, disabled people, uh, cancer patients, this kind of thing. And I got really, really good at it. And then what happened was with both of them, we could fill them up really quickly. So let's say a gym would hire us. We'd run some marketing for them. We'd build them a, a front end funnel. We'd run some um, promotion for it. The gym would be full and then they wouldn't need us anymore. And I was just like, okay, I've got two options here. I could do the job worse so that they carry on needing me over time, or I could go find someone who's got more capacity because there's something, this isn't really working for me here. So about five years ago, I switched industries and I was like, right, I want to work online completely. I want to work with people who, where I, they're not going to expect me to go into any meetings. And I want to work with people who've got unlimited capacity. And I found a few different niches. I found e-commerce, which is maybe not unlimited capacity, but very high SaaS or software businesses, and then online course creators. Those are kind of the three that I, I worked on. We did funnels for each of them for about a year. And what I found was online course creators just somehow seemed to be the right, the best kind of fit. I used to get the best results for them and they also were just really great people to work with. It tends to be that online course creators are someone who is an expert in a topic, loves that topic. If they've managed to build up an audience, we work with people who've already got an audience, you know, a YouTube channel or, or decent website traffic, that kind of thing. Um, it means that they've been sharing all this information for a long time. They're, they've built up this audience, they've got these great courses, but they just don't, most of them don't know how to do the bit that we do. They don't know how do you get the, more of the audience to buy the courses, which is the part that we yep. help with, you know, so email marketing and funnels. And so that was a really good fit. And so um, I niched down like four years ago to just working with that, with that audience. And then we've just been refining and improving since then. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, as the name suggests, like your approach is, is very data driven. So can you explain... <laughs> yeah. Like, what would you say are the key like data and, and KPIs that online course creators should focus on in their business? Yeah, so I can say it really clearly within within the funnels part of it, because that's the stuff that we're tracking all the time. So there are three main areas that people need to be able to improve. That's what we generally see. One is how do you get more of your audience to get onto your email list? because most people are very bad at that. Let's say you've got a big YouTube audience. You need to get those people onto an email list if you want them to buy your courses, really. Second thing is what percentage of those people who are on your email list are then buying stuff from you every month. And the third one is like, what's your revenue per sale? How do you, how high is your revenue per sale? 
So the kind of KPIs we're looking at tracking there are what's the conversion percentage from every month from your YouTube or your Instagram or whatever onto your email list. And if you want to have benchmark data for any of this, tell me because I can I can share all of that. Um, then every month what we're looking for is 0.5% of your email list to buy your courses. That's the, that's the next step. So like when you send out an email promotion, um, are you getting 0.5% of people buying every month from you? And that you can break down into a few steps. So first of all, what percentage of people opened your emails, then what percentage clicked through to the website, to the sales page, then how many people who got to the sales page, clicked through to the checkout page. And then of those who people who got to the checkout page, how many actually bought? So you're tracking each step there. Yep. And this is like a crucial part of the way that, that tracking this kind of data works is you don't want to just track how much money did I make? You want to track each step throughout the process. And then you look at benchmarks, then you go, where am I a long way from the benchmark? Because that means you've got an area that you need to improve a lot and you work on one step and you improve it. And then you find another step and you improve that. Um, and then in terms of the revenue per sale, what you're looking at is how many people are buying the upsells from you as well, because you've got something that they buy from you. Well, an upsell, which I know you, you do in uh, Heights platform is something else that they can buy after they've finished the purchase. So there's an additional offer and that increases the revenue per sale. So that's the, the third part is what percentage of people would buy that. Like, would it be useful to go through what good benchmarks are for that? Or is that too much detail? Um, yeah, I guess before that, I would just say that I think it's interesting that most of our audience, at least, I would guess that they're not nearly as data-driven as you are. And yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> more, they're more, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think they're, they're more on the creation side. And what I was talking with you real briefly before we started recording is that like from a product design standpoint, like I've had to become more and more data-driven in understanding like, well, well, what are the actual metrics? Because the the metrics reveal the answer of what you should do next. And I want to yeah. touch on the point that you made of like, not just tracking, okay, how much revenue did I make from X promotion that I did, but all the different steps in the way, because instead of then next month saying, oh, I want to do better, I'm, I'm just going to do more of something. You don't really have the answer of what you have to improve if you're not looking yes. at all the different numbers along the way. And so it doesn't have to be like, it's not incredibly complicated math or anything like that, but it's just looking at that information to see like, okay, well, are they actually on my email list? Are they actually, if they're on my email list, when they're at the checkout, like, are they buying at the checkout as often as they should be? Um, and, and being able to dissect it there to know what you have to improve, I think is super important. So, uh, with that said, yeah, let's go into like, what, what would you say are some, some average metrics that creators should aim for? Yeah. So when you're looking at website traffic, getting onto your email list, you should ideally be somewhere around two to 3%. So of monthly website visitors, two to 3% of them should opt into your email list. And most people are at about a 0.5%. So there's normally massive improvements to make here. If you're looking at YouTube and how many people from your YouTube, uh, audience opt in, then you're looking at about 0.8% is a good benchmark to reach 0.5 to 0.8%. And that's based on monthly video views, not subscribers, because the difference between subscribers and views is can be, it could be up or down either way. It depends on how your um, audience interacts with your videos. 
if you're looking at Instagram or Facebook, it's a, it's a bit lower. It's about 0.5% of your, um, of your subscribers is the way we normally look at that one. Um, and then Pinterest is really hard to tell. It's tricky with that one. So that's in terms of getting people onto your email list. Once you have somebody um, on the email list, how many of them are going to be buying from you? Like I said, we're looking at about um, a not, it's 0.3%, 0.2 to 0.3% per email promotion. And we recommend doing two email promotions per month. So therefore that adds up to 0.4, 0.5% per month of people who are going to be buying from you. But if we break that down into smaller steps in terms of what the actual um, conversion rates are, uh, we're looking at about the checkout page. You want to be at about eight, uh, 12 to 18% conversion rate. So of people who get to the checkout page, 12 to 18% of them actually buying. Most people, that doesn't sound very high, but most people are at about 5 to maybe 10%. So in the moment, most people are losing a, the vast majority of people when they get to the checkout page. The... Um, the step before that, you're looking at about 20-ish percent of people who um, get through to the sales page who then would go to the checkout page. So you're ideally looking for about a 20% conversion rate at that step. In terms of click-through rate, we're looking for about 3% of the overall number of people who, um, who open the email to be so who get the email to be then clicking through and with open rates we're looking at about 20 to 30 percent so that's kind of those stages with the upsell you're ideally looking for about 10 to 20 percent of people who buy the product to then buy the upsell as well yeah got it that's really helpful i think that um one other point i wanted to mention about the upsell is we, we've talked with a couple guests on here before where the upsell is really powerful as like one of the, the points you mentioned was how can you increase the, the average order value, right? Um, so not just improving mm -hmm. the conversion rates, but then improving that average order value. And with the upsell is oftentimes that the person will buy the main product um, or, or whatever it is you're selling. Like, let's say that you're selling something that's a cheaper product and the upsell is the more expensive product. There's a lot of times when you may not expect it, but your prospect or the customer, they're ready to buy everything from you right then. So mm -hmm. why not offer it to them? And the upsell is a way of doing it that if somebody's ready to go and buy your flagship product, you can have them go ahead and do it right then instead of having to wait for that next month or a couple months when you go and promote it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of people. It's it's they're they're in the buying mode, you know. They've just yeah yeah. They've got through to your web. You know, maybe they did a Google search and they got through to your website, and then they saw your lead magnet and they signed up to your email list, and then they got the email from you, and they got through to the sales page, and they decided yes, this is right for me, and they got through to the checkout page, they decided yes, this is right for me. That's the time when they're most likely to buy anything else from you. Is right then. So it's exactly the time to show them, well, this is the, this is the next thing to get. Um, and that upsell could be, you know, you've got a basic and an intermediate course that by the basic, the upsell could be the intermediate, or maybe you've got a membership and it's like, okay, it's, 
you're buying a monthly joint to upgrade to the annual or you're buying you know a ch- you got a challenge and the upgrade could be buy all of the year's challenges you know it's like just get the next the next logical step that's kind of what the upsell offer is got it. yeah yeah that sounds good yeah i would encourage anybody listening to this so if you didn't already write down what john said about those those percentages um go back rewind and uh write down those percentages and then look at it for your own business. And I guess like really the only couple tools you need to do that is kind of like looking at your email software, um, maybe the platform you're using and then Google analytics. Is that right? Like yeah. at a minimum, I guess, that if you want to get started. Yeah. Yeah. That would do you and write it down in the spreadsheet. Sometimes people ask me like, which, tra- which of the fancy pants tracking softwares should I go and use? This one claims it does everything. And this one, claims it does everything as well. It's like, no, just use, just use your email marketing software, Google analytics and a spreadsheet and you're good. You don't need, you don't need anything more complicated than that. And I know some people really don't like spreadsheets. A lot of creators really don't like spreadsheets, but it's like, it's not that much work. You set this up with those headings that I just talked through and every month you go through and fill it in. And what you'll see, especially if you then also write down the benchmarks that I said, instead in terms of what you should be expecting to achieve at each of those stages, you'll be able to look at that and go, oh, well, my checkout rate is way below that benchmark. Now, let me go and like research how do you do a great checkout page? And then I can make those changes and you'll see a massive increase in revenue. You know, we've seen people increase revenue like three, four times just by changing their checkout pages. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think like even even if you're not ready to... uh to do it every month. And like you said, the, the spreadsheets sound uh, annoying to you, like just doing it once, yeah. especially <laughs> if you're more of a beginner creator, I think it can really be eye-opening into seeing like what you actually have to work on. And I think for those starting out where your audience isn't that big yet, um, often you'll find out that maybe your numbers aren't as bad as you might've expected. It's just, you need to get some more traffic in there um, and, and keep working on growing that audience. Yeah, this stuff that I'm talking about, I think it only really starts to make sense to do a lot of work on it once you've got a reasonable size audience. So like email list of a few thousand people, something like that. Before that, I'd yep. focus more on like grow your audience, grow your email list. And then and then you can start to worry about the sales funnels later on. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So uh, as I mentioned in the, your intro, your company helps increase their revenue um, by 486%. So what would you say like attributes to achieving such a great results uh, with your clients? Do you mean like, what do we help our clients to do? Or like, how did we figure out kind of how to yeah, get? Yeah, like to, to uh, get to like a, a, an in- increase like that, like, is there something, I, I know like you help with everything, but is there something you would say like stands out as this is the, usually the biggest driver for most people, or does it really vary? Yeah, so there's there's eight steps altogether, and it comes under those three headings that I mentioned before. So it's how do you get a bigger, you know, convert more of your email uh, audience into your email list? How do you run effective email promotions every month so that more people are buying from you? And how do you increase the revenue per sale? And so it's those three things. 
And within those, there are a thousand different ways that you can do those things. There's a thousand ways you could run more promotion and you can build webinar funnels and you can have automated evergreen funnels and you can build sideways sales letters and video sales letters and all kinds of clever stuff from all the different uh, marketing gurus. And what we did is we, we didn't know when we started out specifically working with course creators, which of those were the best ones. So what we did is we spent two years and we tested every tactic from every single, you know, from Frank Kern and Ryan Dice and um, all kinds of different, uh, all kinds of different marketing experts, Russell Brunson, what have you. And we tracked for each of them, how long did it take to do it? And what result did it bring in? So what was the effort to reward ratio? And we also looked at, did it work for everybody or was it only working for some people that we worked with? And what we found was that there were these eight tactics that worked for everybody, were easy to do relatively, and uh, always got, always brought results in, got a good amount of results in. And so those, those three headings kind of covers what those are. But for the starting point, the easiest one to do is the upsells. Like that's where you start with. It's, it's easier to, you can increase revenue by putting upsells in place by 10 to 20% just from doing that. That's what we've seen on average. Um, the other one, if, if you're using software that's got it, that also does the same thing is order bumps. That's another, another tactic that also has the same kind of impact as well. And that's instead of it being the product on the confirmation page, it's something on the checkout page. And people get very confused between the difference of them, but um, that's, the, that's the basic idea. Order bump is a something extra you sell on the checkout page, upsell is something extra you sell after they've checked out on the confirmation page. So those are the first things to do. And if you haven't got those in place and you just go set those up. Um, the other tactics that we found under the heading of how do you increase the number of sales per month is run really good email promotions every month to people. And the problem most people have here is they don't want to run regular email promotions because they think they'll be super salesy. So mm. we teach our audience, like how can you send email promotions that are not annoying, that are useful, that people want to receive it, that most of the content is valuable and useful. And then some of it is promotional so that the people who are ready to buy something from you can go buy it and you give them a discount. But the people who aren't ready are like, oh, these emails are brilliant. I love receiving these emails. I want to stay on this email list. And so that's the, that's a, like a whole project in and of itself. That's what we work with a lot of our coaching clients and I've done for you clients on is those email promotions every month. And then the next step after that is how do you write a great sales page? And the next step after that is how do you make a great checkout page? So like if you put those steps in place, um, and they're not rocket science, like to make it, it's, it's time consuming, but like there's 15 elements, for example, on a, on a great sales page. And most people are missing like five or six of them. So the first thing is you just go through and put those five or six elements in. It's things like, testimonials, a compelling headline, um, uh, frequently asked questions, information about the course creator, um, explaining the course in detail, talking about the benefits of it. You know, it's just, it's nothing that's completely revolutionary, but just people are missing them. They're missing the basics, you know? So that's kind of what we yeah. do to help people with that. And all of these things, the, the, the 80-20, they're the thing that's the most straightforward in order to increase revenue out of everything you could do. So when you put all of those together, 
it adds up. And so we see kind of the range with most most people make between who who work with us, they somewhere between double and quintuple their revenue. We've got one person at the moment <laughs> who is she's 150 times her revenue. Well, this last wow. month anyway. She made like, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not the standard, but it's like, it's pretty cool to see, you know, she's making a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the amazing things about creating a business like this and that like you have the potential for it to, to scale to something like that. And mm. you're not really limited as it's a digital product. You're not really limited by saying like, oh, I, well, I have to get enough stock in to ship or I have yeah. to have enough people <laughs> to deliver this. Um, like when you, when you get it working, like that can just happen. Um, yes, there'll be a yeah. little bit more support and stuff, but um, it's very possible for like an individual creator even to experience that, even though it may be um, not the likely scenario. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. She messaged me the other day. She said, John, so far this month, I've made $450,000 what wow. is actually happening right now? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, that's cool, you know. Wow, yeah, that's incredible. Um, yeah, so I, I think also the, the point you mentioned about the email, I think we can't get into that right now because as you said, like there's a thousand things you can do to just improve your email sequences and, and how you're doing that. But something I think that is maybe motivational for creators to hear is that just because your email list doesn't buy from you now, it doesn't mean that like they're never going to buy from you because the chances mm. are like you have people on your email list that like, as you said, like they're enjoying that content. If they're, if they're on your email list, if they're not unsubscribing, if they're opening the emails, they're, they're interested in something. And it doesn't mean it, it could mean that there's things you have to optimize later on, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like your product is better. They don't want it. They're just not quite ready yet to buy. And so keeping them on there, growing that email list. It could, it could be a year, it could be two years later that then they say, you know what, I, I keep seeing all this stuff from John or, or whoever. I, I'm ready now. I'm ready to make that decision. I got to go and, and purchase this course or this program. And, and then they finally will go ahead and do that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you have more than 20 years of experience total in this field. How do you see the online course creation industry evolving in the future? And what trends do you believe we'll see going forward? I mean, it's fascinating because it's a really fast growing market. Like it's growing at more than 20% a year. Like I keep checking every couple of years, like what the stats are on the, on the space. Because it's, it's good to be in an industry that's growing, you know, like I don't want to go work in the newspaper industry or something like that, right? So it's uh, yeah, a lot less fun. But online courses, it's like growing 20, 25% a year every year. So it's it's not going away. It doesn't seem to show any signs of, of shrinking back down again. So I think it's a great space to be in. Some of the stuff that we're seeing is that it seems like growing a YouTube audience seems to be like one of the best ways to be able to grow a course business. And I've got a couple of hypotheses about why that is. I don't know mm -hmm. for definite these are right. One is... YouTube's still a fast growing market. And if you're building your audience through search engine optimization and website traffic through that, it's kind of gets harder and harder And YouTube, even though it's not new and it is much harder than it used to be, it still seems to be a, a bigger opportunity, kind of easier to do. Second part is people who watch videos from you 
are more likely to then want to watch, to pay to watch more videos from you. And an online course is, you know, generally video content. So that seems to be a really good fit. And it seems to build up a really big, like, feeling that they know you kind of sense because yeah. someone's seen your face like in the videos a lot whereas i mean you do get some of that with like instagram or facebook because some of the content's video um search engine optimization you know, you're writing blog posts people don't get it as much as much of a feeling from it um youtube seems to work just really well and podcast is amazing for that as well we see a really good conversion from podcasts to course sales people really trust a podcast host like i'll have people say to me i've listened to every single episode of your podcast and i'm like that's like that's a that's commitment <laughs> you know that's like that's i don't lot, know what it is time, like 50 yeah. hours or something right you know yeah. um and i'm like and i'm pretty sure some of the early ones weren't that amazing like i was getting the hang of doing it and i was like okay how does this all work you know <laughs> So that's another really good one. Podcasts are a good way of building the audience there as well. So that's some of the kind of trends that we're seeing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Um, I'm glad to hear that. I guess it, it aligns with kind of what I was thinking that yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, YouTube has a real lot of potential, definitely. And I, I think it's tough. Um, it depends on who you are as a creator. It depends on your audience. But I think for some people like Instagram, um, like Facebook, um, even Twitter, it's going to be harder for creators maybe than something like YouTube because like the impressions that you get on like an Instagram or TikTok reel or something uh it's very like fleeting in that like somebody sees you maybe they enjoy the content and they swipe to the next one and they're they're already done so they're they're not making that same like deep connection that they would with the YouTube mm -hmm. video or with the podcast where it's just like longer form content and also like while if you come up with something that, that can kind of get viral and, and hit the algorithm the right way, that that's going to benefit you on, on Instagram or TikTok. Again, it's something where like, it feels, it feels hard to, to grow that like fan base and that, that deeper connection. So on YouTube, you, you have the benefit that like people are directly searching for like, I want to learn about X and then they can find mm -hmm. you talking about that, teaching that and saying like, Hey, if you want to learn more, I've got this course, I've got this community, I've got this coaching program. And that is something where I guess like you can't really get that from like the algorithms on, on Instagram and TikTok in the same way, where it seems like as you grow as a YouTuber, like the more you grow, then your videos will just get more and more views. And like, it just continues to grow. And that can happen on Instagram and TikTok. But at the same time, like there's things that just don't translate. Like I remember like last year, one of our best Instagram reels. I think we had over 50,000 views on it. I think we got like one follower from the 50,000 views. I think, I think we had 19,000 <laughs> likes, 19,000 likes on the reel. And I think one follower. And so even, even if you say like, okay, people don't really follow you, they're going to um, like, but maybe they'll watch my other content. Now they, they know me. Like they're still, you, you've got to be able to argue that they're not as deeply connected as they would be if they were watching the podcast or your YouTube. So yeah, mm. definitely. I think, uh, YouTube is a, a great thing to be on today. Cool. All right. Well, uh, on this show, we'd like to have every guest ask a question to our audience. So John, if you could ask our audience, anything, whether it's something you kind of want them to just think about, or it's something you're curious about, what would that be? 
here's what I want you to think about. What are you going to set up as your upsell? And I'd mm. love it if you'd post it in the, the comments under the video, um, if, you, if you're watching it on YouTube. Because this is, like, without a doubt, it's the simplest thing that you can do to increase your revenue. Um, and if you've got, you know, okay, maybe if you've not got any audience at all or nobody's buying your courses yet, okay, maybe it's not the thing to focus on. But if you're already making course sales, setting up your upsell is the thing that's going to allow you to increase your revenue the most the most easily. And so what you need to do is choose something. And the mistake I see people make here is they're like, oh, I'm going to wait until I come up. I can I have time to build the perfect product for the upsell. And it's like, no. Mm. What do you got now that could be the upsell to your most to, to your most popular thing that you're selling? You've got something that's selling the most copies. What could be the upsell to that? And then just set that up. And that's going to give you the biggest increase the most easily. So uh, that's my question to you. What is it going to be? Awesome. Yeah, I think that's a, an excellent thing to think about. I would encourage everyone to definitely do that because I think creators tend to mistakenly have the feeling that like, oh, somebody bought my product already, like that's done with. Now I got to find new people. But like the people who buy your products are your customers. So like if you have something else to sell, if you have a new product, the most likely person to buy that is actually the people who have bought from you before, not somebody new in your audience. And so don't don't feel that just because somebody is buying something right now or has bought something from you before that means that they're they're done. They're not going to buy again. Um, that's an mm. excellent thing, I think, to think about. Um, John, it was great talking with you. Before we get going, where else can people find you online? Yeah, so you can check us out on our website, datadrivenmarketing.co. We've got our podcast, which is The Art of Selling Online Courses. And if you are someone who's doing uh, six figures already and is interested in getting help with implementing this, if you want our help with it, we work on a um, payment on results only basis. So people only pay us when they make any more money. Uh, we do like a paid audit as the first thing, but then after that, that's that's the ongoing um, way of working with us. And you can go and apply or um, find out if you're a good fit by going to pimpyourfunnel.com. You fill that out and uh, it's like a 10 question survey and it's going to tell you um, if you're a good fit or not to work with us. And if you're not a good fit, then we will still send you a free report where we're going to tell you exactly what it is that you should do to increase the revenue in your business. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, John. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join our free community of over 5,000 creators at creatorclimb.com. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, check out the Heights Platform YouTube channel every Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Central. To get notified when new episodes release, join our newsletter at thecreatorsadventure.com. Until then, keep learning, and I'll see you in the next episode.